Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting, now in the midst of a pandemic. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to AskLisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 40, my kid's room is a hot mess. What should I do? I'm looking around my office and I can see stacks of papers, manila folders thrown all over, books. <laughs> and I see your beautiful, tidy office. And I'm wondering, what did I do wrong as a child to not understand organization? Oh, Rena, you know, it's so funny. For me, I can't think if it's not tidy. Like, that's the only way I can think. But I also know there are lots of brilliant people, you among them, who operate fine with what looks like chaos to me. And so, you know, my attitude is like in adulthood and also in parenting, there are a lot of ways to get it right. Yeah. I need Marie Kondo in speed dial. Is she still on maternity leave? Like, I need her back. Uh, You know, we got this letter from his mom who talks about her kid's messy room. That's kind of what got us thinking about this. It It says here, Hi, Dr. Lisa. I need your help with a challenge I'm facing with my teenage daughter. Her room is a hot mess. Can't even go in there without walking on top of stuff. She's a fantastic, beautiful kid who has major problems with organization. I'd appreciate any thoughts on how to help her start developing new behaviors because the way she keeps her room drives me absolutely crazy. 
Thank you in advance for your consideration on this. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> She's I, not a alone. lot of parents can identify yeah, with this. Yeah, this, right? this mom is not alone. There is yeah. no question about that. This is something that a lot of families struggle with about how, do you how, how their kids them? keep their rooms. And they're not bothered by it. That's the thing. They're really no. not bothered by it. No, no. Where do you start? Um, well, so where you start for me is there's messes and there's messes. So for me, and I would say this both personally and professionally, and this for me actually gets to a very personal place. Like I really like things tidy. So I, I, I feel very empathic to parents who have a hard time with their kids' messy rooms. There are certain bright lines that messy rooms cannot cross and I think should not cross. So, for example, is there food in there? You know, is there mm. food that is going bad or could bring, you know, vermin your way? Um, that, to me, feels like a non-negotiable, right? Like, there's no way that that should be happening. It's gross. It's, you know, not fair to anyone. So that's a place where I think parents should really, like, you know, say, this is this is not on the options of ways you can keep your room. I think another bright line. I'm trying to walk them back from severity. So food, gross stuff like that just totally weirds me out as a parent, you know, and I think as a psychologist is not okay. Yeah. Then there is, if they're not, if they're not being respectful of their stuff. I mean, I think one thing that's really hard for parents, and I get this, is maybe they bought their kid a dress or a jacket that the kid really wanted, and maybe it was expensive. And then they go in the room and the thing is like jammed under a chair, you know, and that that for the parent feels uneasy and uncomfortable and they don't like that. And I think there's room there to say, look, you know, you want nice things. We want to be able to give you nice things. But if you're going to treat them like that, we're not so inclined. So when you start taking better care of your stuff, like we can go back to these, you know, questions about whether or not there's like these extra nice things to have. The place where I think... You start to get into a bit of a negotiation, but where the messy room still feels like a problem is when they can't find stuff. You know how that happens, Rena, in parenting, where you have a kid, like, their room's kind of chaotic, and then they're supposed to be rushing out the door, and they can't find things. And you're like, I know it's in there. (laughs) And, And if you didn't keep your room this way, we wouldn't be having this crisis now. Right. What is it, though? Like, you know, one child is organized, nice and tidy. The other child is just a hot mess, stuff strewn all over the place. Is it laziness? Like, why is it that one is organized and the other one is it? Is there other reasons about this? Yeah, I mean, there probably are. So, you know, some of it is inclination. Some of it is just temperament. Like, you know, some kids just like it tidy. Some kids really don't care. There are also what we get into um, here is the question of executive functioning. So executive functioning is the term we use in psychology for basically the operating system of the brain and how well it keeps a child organized in their lives. And this is knowing where they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to have with them. You know, it's it's overall organization in a way. And it's also motivation and other things. But bottom line, when it comes to rooms, there are some kids who are still struggling with executive functioning, which is basically knowing what's supposed to be where and where they're supposed to be and those kinds of things. And there are also kids who just are very strong on executive functioning, so they're able to keep themselves organized. So it sometimes happens that you have a kid who struggles with executive functioning and their room either quickly or gradually becomes a huge mess, a hot mess. I love that that's what this mom called it. Mm. 
And the parent is like, whoa, you have to clean that up, right? Like it just feels like it's crossed a line. And here to me is a really interesting moment in parenting. The kid doesn't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. Like they have dug themselves a hole that they do not have the executive functioning to get out of. And, And so that to me is a moment where we have to be fair to the kid about what they can reasonably do. Mm. And so if this is your kid where you're like, my kid is, you know, kind of got stuff scattered all over. That's kind of how they operate. They're a little bit scattered. If their room crosses that line and you say to them, like, you got to fix this, it is only fair, I think, in those moments to say, I will help you dig Mm. yourself out. Okay. Because they can't. Like, we're asking them to do something they cannot do. How do you know that they cannot do it? Like, what, what, is there an age? Is there, like, how do you break this down? Like, sometimes I'll say, okay, it's so overwhelming. The playroom is so bad. Take 15 minutes. I'm setting a timer. Go clean up what you can. And it's usually a very small dent of, of what ends up being <laughs> done, but it's something. That's brilliant, Rena. I mean, that's a really good idea because if the kid's overwhelmed and is like, I don't even know where to start, and you say, look, just do 15 minutes, just start on that corner, that's a good thing. And that actually... You know, if your kid can do that, if your kid can actually mobilize for that 15 minutes and even focus on one corner, it's, you know, starting to, you know, get them into it. But it also, what you're doing is you're actually cultivating your kid's executive functioning skills. You're saying, like, use this interval of time, start over in that corner, and you're helping them build it. So if your kid can do that, then I think let them keep at it, you know, help them to, you know, maybe take a break and then go back at it another corner, another 15 minutes. If your kid is like a deer in headlights, absolute deer in headlights, that's where, you know, our instinct in the moment is often to get more angry, you know, yes, more frustrated. tell me about it. But I think that's where you might say, all right, buddy, let's just start with this. Here's a trash bag. Show me what's trash. Or let me pick up this each item and you say trash or not trash. Like, you know, that that kind of helping them create the beginning of an organizational system. This is also where baskets and um, cubbies, you know, things like that come in where you say, okay, see this basket? This is the Lego basket. Like all the Legos go in this basket. And so go find me all the Legos. So it may be that level of structure that kids need. And then what I would say is if you've got a kid who is still developing on the executive functioning side, really cannot manage, maintain, and organize themselves yet, don't let it get too far out of control. Like set a weekly time, you know, every Thursday night, we're going to put your room back together and um, and do have categories and systems and ways to help them think about doing that. But as hard as it is and as frustrating as it is, as much as you think like, how come kiddo, you can't do this if you're, you know, your brother can do this? How come you can't do this? You know, Every kid's different. And so if we go at it from this idea of, all right, you need more coaching on keeping things under control in your room. Um, And then you just set up that coaching time once a week. Or, you know, if people have cleaning services, you know, that can be a good, Mm -hmm. you know, the cleaning folks are coming. And so, you know, every week or every other week, you know, that's the time when we go through your room, put it back together so that they can actually find your floor. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back on the Ask Lisa podcast. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. 
We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings. I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it. And they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. EarthBreeze EcoSheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. Earthbreeze.com slash ask Lisa. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herb squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. So what if you're a parent like me who admits I may be suffering from understanding executive functioning and keeping things nice and tidy. What could we do to help if the parent isn't type A and super organized and nice and tidy? Well, so the good news is you probably have a higher tolerance for it. Right? So, <laughs> it's probably not good news. <laughs> well, but it all, you know, if the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, you know, you're not going to mind your apple so much, right? Because you have a higher tolerance for what I call chaos, and so their chaos may not bother you. And I will say, Rena, I will say, and I'll come back to your question. Being a parent is the best thing that ever happened to my personality. Like, there's mm. no question because I do like things tight and I do like things locked down and I do like things organized. And that's not raising kids. That's not what so raising true. kids looks like. And it's interesting because I started practicing before I had kids. 
and I've taken care of families who have teenagers for a long time. And even before I had kids, I had so many parents in my office who would be like, oh my God, it went so fast. Oh my God, it went so fast. And that really shaped my parenting because we have a mudroom and I will, I know I I love the mudroom, but it's also, it can be a disaster, right? But I'll walk in there and they'll be like shoes everywhere. And my instinct is like, ah, and then I say to myself, this is going to solve itself very quickly. These shoes will be gone one day and I will miss them. I'm not going to throw down about this. And, and so being a mom has done more to expand my flexibility and tolerance for living with other people, basically, <laughs> is what it is. And so, so I've probably gotten closer to where good moms like you are, good parents like you are, in being able to tolerate a higher level of it. So that that's a place to start. But if you're worried that this is having a downstream effect on your kids that you're concerned about, yeah, right? Yeah. That you're raising disorganized kids. Yeah. Well, then what I would wonder is, okay, look at where the rubber hits the road. Do they know where their stuff is when it's time for them to find their stuff? Mm. Are they taking decent care of the things that you think they need to take good care of, right? I mean, are, that that are valuable or worthwhile or that matter to you that they treat, you know, well. Um, are they, you know, is it not gross, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. And if you can say yes to all of those things, then I would say it's you got to decide if it's worth it to lean on your kid. If they learn it early on, does it help in other ways? Like if you like drill this, is this one of those things you need to drill into your child and then it'll have lifelong, wonderful implications? Like how far do you need to press on this? <laughs> it's a good question, right? Because this is also something that has a real developmental arc. Um, so you can lean on your younger kid, right? You can actually say to a 10-year-old, your room's a mess. You got to clean it up. Like you got to make this happen. And they will capitulate to that. Ten-year-olds will go for that. Um, you might decide it's worth it to you to push on your kid to do that. Maybe they're not checking those boxes. Maybe it is gross. Maybe they can't find their stuff. Maybe they are not treating things well. What we want to be really mindful of, Rena, is the whole deal changes when your kid turns 11, 12, or 13. That whatever you could do with muscle early on in parenting, like... I'm telling you to do this. You're not doing it. Now I'm getting mad that you're not doing it. Like you can get a lot done with, like that with kids who are pre-adolescent. The thing that gets really tricky, Rena, is as soon as your kid, you know, enters adolescence, which, you know, somewhere around 11, 12, 13 at the latest, overnight your leverage changes. Um, overnight, if you say to them, do this, they're like, well, I was going to do it. Now I don't want to. And then you're like, now I'm mad. And they're like, well, now you're mad. Now I definitely don't want to. I mean, like you lose all of that traction. Yeah. And you could find yourself, even if you feel like you've laid all this terrific groundwork around staying organized and being organized, you could find yourself in a really ugly power struggle with a teenager who feels like it's my room, I want to keep it the way I want to keep it. I just don't know when you need to push, but you're right. Like I don't allow food and shoes. You're not, that's not allowed. Oh, that's in the interesting. Rooms. Like yeah. no food, no shoes um, upstairs. But what if you have a teen who just doesn't agree to these roles? What do you do then? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So let's say you're into this power struggle where the teen is like, you know what? It's my room. 
And you're like, yeah, but it's my house. Right? <laughs> and, and so here you are, like going toe to toe. All right. So this to me is a really interesting fight to have with a teenager. And when I think about this, I kind of zoom out on it. And what I think about is it is teenagers' jobs to rub parents the wrong way. It is the nature of normal and healthy development in adolescence to do things that your parents find annoying. And the room is often, I would actually say it's the most common thing I hear about from parents in terms of how their teenager makes them bananas. And so here's how I think about it, Rena. There are two categories of how teenagers can rub their parents the wrong way. There are things teenagers can do that really, really bother us, but probably won't have any implications when they're 30. So the room is in there. It might be like wearing like, you know, really weird nail polish, or it might be, you know, um, listening to music we can't stand, or it might be, you know, getting into disagreements every time it's time to go to church. You know, it might be like things like that, like where where um, there's a lot of friction, but you don't really think this is going to harm them at 30, right? Like it's low, low harm. And then there are things that teenagers can do that upset parents that could have real lasting implications. So it's things like, you know, being out of control around drinking or messing around with drugs or, you know, um, driving in ways that are scary or um, refusing to do schoolwork, you know, that like that, like there could be things. And so I think in these two very clean categories, matters when they're 30, doesn't matter when they're 30. And for me, every normal, healthy, developing teenager does something in the probably won't matter when I'm 30 category that they know is going to push their parents' buttons. Um, I will tell you what I did. This seems so small, but whatever. Um, (laughs) so, So to push my mother's buttons, my mother's an extraordinary cook, and I grew up in Colorado in the Southwest. And I decided as a teenager, that I hated cilantro. Um, cilantro is a very polarizing <laughs> herb. I love cilantro. How do you not like cilantro? Well, and so Rena, I do. I actually do. But somehow <laughs> I decided as a teenager that, like, I couldn't stand cilantro. And, you know, you can detect cilantro in the smallest quantities, right? Yeah. And so I went through this whole phase of adolescence of, like, absolutely refusing anything that had cilantro in it, which my mother cooks with cilantro a lot. And, like, this was the thing I did that was super annoying. I mean, I'm sure I did other annoying things, but it was really designed to, I think, be annoying to my mother in that way that as an adolescent you need to be. That does, will not matter when I was 30. Wouldn't have matter when I was 30. So in my experience, kids start in that category. They do things like you tell them to rinse all the orange pulp out of glasses before you put in the dishwasher, and they keep not doing it, right? You tell them to clean up their room, they keep not doing it. Um, you tell them to eat this dish anyway, they refuse it because it has cilantro, right? I mean, like all of these things. I think if parents react to that category, if parents are willing to push back a little bit, maybe not on everything, but some of it, it keeps kids out of the second category often. That kids are looking for friction with their parents, and we want to give it to them. 
What? Because here's, yeah, no, here's what happens, Rena. Here's what happens. If the kid's room is a huge mess and nobody says anything, if the kid is super annoying about, you know, food refusal or, you know, quirky, quirky habits and everybody just makes room for it, if the kid, you know, if you keep saying rinse out the orange pulp out of the glasses before you put them in the dishwasher and the kid doesn't do it and you just stop asking, yeah. they're like, whoa, okay, so, well, what does it take to get a grown-up around here to act like a grown-up? Maybe I'll push it a little bit. Maybe I'll be smoking weed in my room and see if you start to notice, right? So here's how we want to think about it. Even if you're not winning, even if your kid is not doing what you ask in terms of keeping their adolescent room the way you want them to, stay in that space with them with some friction. Keep saying to them, you know what? Minimally, you cannot have any food in there. Minimally, you cannot mistreat your stuff. Minimally, like if you're losing your stuff, like you're creating problems for yourself. And I hate watching you be frantic. Um, Keep asking, keep saying, you know what? It makes me bananas. Where can we negotiate? It makes me bananas. Could you at least not have stuff on the floor? Keep staying in that space of pushing on how they keep their room, even if you're losing. And the way we should think about this is, Give them some friction around something that's pretty low stakes. Reassure yourself constantly. This kid's going to move out. This problem's going to solve itself one day or another, no matter what you do. And in the meantime, if you can hold that friction around the small stakes stuff, I really think most of the time it keeps them out of the bigger stakes stuff. Wow. I did not know that having that friction could actually be beneficial in dealing with teens. It can. It can. They need the friction. Give them the friction on the small stuff. Wow. So my takeaways today are if your kid is just really overwhelmed, might not have the what you call executive functioning yet, you need to step in and help them figure out a system of what goes where so they can identify how to put things away yep. and give kids a friction sometimes. Keep pushing back even if it's not fun and it's not pleasant. Those are exactly right, right? You know, have your bright lines, help a kid who can't even begin to figure out how to clean up a room. Expect friction with your teenager. If they're going to give it to your, you around their room, take it there. And then what I would say is, if you're like me, <laughs> if you are someone who, left to their own devices, keeps things inordinately tidy, um, be open to the idea that your kids can help you grow, right? And getting comfortable with a higher level, and I have to use the word chaos, a higher level of chaos than you're used to, though I don't think the word chaos is probably fair, can actually be a way in which you expand your own personality. And we don't talk enough about how being a parent can, in fact, help us find new sides of ourselves, help us to be better, help us to be more flexible and relaxed. And yet I think a lot of parents have that experience, you know, that once kids come into your life, You don't have the say you used to have. And if you can lean into that experience, it can make it actually much more pleasant for everybody involved. And rooms can be a place where that happens. Which reminds me, I don't like mud in my mud room. I like the Ah. floors nicely swept. It's like one of these peeves. And uh, the neighborhood kids now are all coming. It's a joyous thing. You know, everyone is, is, you know, able to come in and, and be with us. And I was saying to them once, guys, we're, you're dragging in all the mud. And one of them turns to me and goes, well, you know, it's a mudroom. It's like, okay, <laughs> fair point, fair point. I'll let it go. Um, uh, but these little things during the pandemic that I did miss. So the other takeaway is if your kid doesn't like cilantro, give them a double dose. 
double dose on cilantro. And of course, like, I love it. I cook with it all the time. And it, like, does crack me up because it, like, with my mom being the cook she was, like, that was the button I could really push on my mom. (laughs) I love it. Please tell me you have a book to help us. I Get do. To the next I have level a on this. wonderful book. This is a classic. This is this book has been around for years, and it is really, Rena. It's one of the best books out there in parenting. It's called "How to Talk So Kids Will Listen" Ooh. and "How to Listen So Kids Will Talk." Wow! And it's by Adele Faber and Elaine Maslich. And it's just, I mean, it's just one of those things every parent should have on their shelves. So we'll give away a copy. The way to enter is to follow us on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, Put your name in the comments. You could enter as many times as you like. This is for folks in the U.S. only. And then we'll pick a winner and get it out to you. Look forward to that. That's great. And what's your parenting to go, Lisa? It's important for parents to be predictable more than it's important for them to be consistent. So what I mean by that is... What you said about the mudroom, that you like the mudroom to have no mud in it, your kids know that about you. Now, is this consistent with the rest of what you do? There's other places it sounds like where you're quite a bit more flexible about what I would call messes. Um, not necessarily, right? It actually, in fact, seems strange that you're like picky about the mudroom, but not so much about other places. For kids, this is not a problem. They know how you operate. If there's mud in the mudroom, you're going to get upset. If there's papers over there, you won't. What kids need to know is how we're going to react, and they can work around that. Um, What's hardest on kids is if the parent is unpredictable, if sometimes they're upset about mud in the mudroom and sometimes they are not. So parents don't have to worry that everything has to line up, that their rules have to look consistent across the board. Your kid just needs to know that they can predict how you're going to react to things, and then they will operate accordingly. Great advice. Great advice. Thank you. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.